lovely freaks, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. And I'm Hannah. And if you're new here, hi, welcome. If you like things strange and unusual and true crime, you can go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button. You can also head down to the description box and you'll see a link that will take you to our social media like Instagram, Facebook, and all that jazz. And all that jazz. Yeah. So, sorry about our episode of Elise Paler not being uploaded on Friday on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere, actually, except for YouTube. Um, I think that I forgot to hit publish whenever I was uploading it, but whatever. You know, accidents happen. Yeah. Um, but it was up Monday. So, if you haven't listened to that one, you can go ahead and listen to it. So, you all got two episodes this week for anybody that doesn't listen to us on YouTube. Um... And, yeah, that's pretty much it. Hope you guys had a great week. Um, Hannah has not, but that's okay. No. <laughs> do you want to tell them? Or do you not Yeah, really I mean, my, my car got hit by... A uh, dumbass. Dumbasses. Yeah. Kids, bunch of don't drink and drive. Okay? Don't drink and drive. Don't get high and drive. She's fine. Her car was actually parked um, at a friend's house. And yeah. it was, um, you know, they just lost control and hit her car and totaled it so yeah it's been a fun week mm-hmm. um and you guys are you guys better be glad you're getting an episode because with she had that going on and then i had kids starting school officially like this whole week so yeah it's been crazy but um we also got a new puppy yep <laughs> so, college yeah. is about to start for me in college a week. is about to start for her so it's been crazy but we have a two-part episode for you guys I know, I don't like doing two parts, but this one deserved two parts because it's a lot of information. Um, this is actually a serial killer that not Mary, not Mary, not very many people have heard of. Mary doesn't know him. Yeah. <laughs> His mom's name's Mary. Huh. Um, not very many people have heard of, and I'm not exactly sure why, because I was looking up, like, I wanted to look up, like, serial killers that aren't Mm -hmm. famous, you know? Yeah. Um, And so I was Googling that. And then I came across this list of different people. And this one piqued my interest because I was like, what? He has been known... Well, he has at least 28 confirmed kills Mm -hmm. of teen boys. Mm. And then there's probably more out there. They just don't know. So this is like a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So I I didn't really understand why he wasn't more prevalent, but... And you said that they used to call him the Candyman. Yeah. So which really piqued my interest, too. He's nicknamed too. the Candyman, the Pied Piper, and you'll understand why eventually. Um, but for today, we're just going to kind of start off with his life and the whole situation with the candy store and everything, and we'll get into that. Um, because you kind of need to know his life in order to... And his, his life wasn't hard, but there's a candy store involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. We'll get into it. Okay. So, Dean Coral. Um, Coral. <laughs> Coral. Coral. It really is Coral. But I just like saying that. Um, if you get that reference, then you watch The Walking Dead and you know what I'm talking about. So, anyways. He was born December 24th, my mother-in-law's birthday, 1939, in Indiana. His mother was Mary... Robertson and his dad was Arnold Coral. Um, his dad was a strict dad, but he wasn't necessarily like abusive. I think he kind of was like one of those dads that was like, you know, you're gonna be a man, and I'm gonna show you how to be a man, 
and not necessarily abusive, but just stern, I guess you could say, and strict. Um, however, the mom was very defensive and she was protective over her boys no matter what. So she actually had two boys. He was the oldest and then she had another one, his brother. Um, and she was one of those mothers of boys that were like, my boys would never, you know what I mean? Like that kind of person. Um, like boys will be boys. That's exactly a quote that she says. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) He just married, murdered someone. Boys will be boys, you know? Um, so his parents fought a lot when he was raised, um, when he was being raised because obviously the mom was not strict. The dad was, and it was just a conflict, blah, blah, blah. Um, but like I said, he never was violent with them. He just, mm-hmm. they just got into a lot of arguments. Um, Dean, his younger brother's name was Stanley. Um, but you don't really hear a lot about him in the story after this certain part. So it's not really prevalent, I don't think. Since they argued all the time, they ended up getting a divorce. And they would actually get remarried again. Um, but then get a divorce again. So they get remarried, get another divorce. But we'll get into all that. Dean's childhood is told mostly from the mouth of his mother, Mary, because actually, um, Dean is dead. And I don't want to say how yet. We'll get into that in the second, um, in part two, but it's crazy. Um, so I don't want to say why, but most of his childhood we've gotten from the mouth of his mother. So remember... Mm -hmm. She believes that, like, her kids can do no wrong. So she doesn't really ever say, yes, he tortured animals. Yes, he was weird. I mean, none of yeah. that ever comes out of her mouth. Not saying that he did do that. I'm just saying, like, we she won't probably know. <laughs> didn't say anything because she just didn't. Like, she was just like, mm, boys will be boys, you know? Yeah. Well, actually, when Dean was younger, he was very shy. She did say that. He would rarely socialize with kids. At one point, I think he even, like, got mad because he was at, he was either playing a sport or he was at a birthday party. I can't remember which one it was. But whatever the case was, he didn't get a prize. Hmm. It, like, he didn't get an award, a participation award or Okay, so like they that. were, like, playing a game or something. Yeah, and he got mad and he got, like, embarrassed about it. Uh-huh. And so he said from that moment on, he was six, mind you, from that moment on, he was like, I don't want to ever be in a social situation again. And he, like, didn't. Like, he didn't go to birthday parties or anything. He didn't want to go. He was a loner kid, you know, at six. And I was like, wow, that's intense. Um, I mean, I've been mad before at a birthday party because... But but I've never been, like... Yeah, to the point where I'm like, I'm never going anywhere ever again. (laughs) I'll never go to the park. Like, I'll say that, but Uh, it won't happen. Yeah. Um... At seven, he got a really bad fever, and I can't, I couldn't find out what kind of fever it was. It was just like a fever virus, I guess you could say, and it was actually attacking kids in their, um, like their brains and hearts and stuff like that. Mm. Well, they didn't know that it was this particular virus until years later, um, when he was about 11, I believe, mm-hmm. he, uh, got diagnosed with a heart murmur, and then they kind of like put the puzzle pieces together and they're like okay well I guess if you had that fever that's probably what it was so on top of being painfully shy and not wanting to be socialized now he was not allowed to play PE he wasn't allowed to play any sports Mm -hmm. he wasn't necessarily a sickly kid because you'll find out later like 
I think this heart murmur back then, I mean, this was the, what I say? He was born in the 50s? 50s. Yeah, 30s. He was born in the oh, 30s. 30s. So yeah, back in the, this was like probably the 40s. Um, you know, if a kid had a heart murmur, they thought, okay, he can't really exert himself or he might have like, a, a, his heart might stop or something like that. But as you find out later, he actually wasn't really in bad condition obviously or he wouldn't be able to do the things that yeah. he does the awful, awful things that he does um so yeah this kind of made him more of a recluse I guess you could say not being able to play with other kids and stuff like that in 1950 they him and his his mom and dad remarried like I said before and they moved to Texas when they moved to Texas Dean would do something really odd and his mom like you said, said that boys will be boys. Yeah. But he would catch squirrels, mm -hmm. strangle them, and tie them to a necklace on his body, and then take it to school and wear what? it. What? I don't know. What did the school why? do? I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't find anything out about that. So where, what, where would where did he live again? In Texas, but it was oh, well. it was Texas in the fifties. But still, I mean, yeah. That Still, would that like, would have been weird. Yeah, that'd be like our grandparents being like, oh, yeah, boy came to school with a squirrel around his neck. I mean, my grandparents would be like, the fuck? I mean, you know, <laughs> they were like, that's weird. Yeah, that is weird. Um, yeah, so it's just really odd. But she said boys will be boys, obviously, like I said, and that's just her motto. And she was like, oh, everybody, all the boys were doing it back then. All the boys were wearing squirrels around their neck. Maybe if they're hunting, but they're not, like, showing it around yeah, like that. Yeah, like, they went to school with it or on. Or kill them with their bare hands. Mm -hmm. Like, that just doesn't happen. Um, at this point, the parents divorce again, and mom remarries to a guy named Jake West. He is a salesman, and they have a daughter together. Her name is, um... Josie, I believe. I didn't write it down, but I think that's what her name is. I don't know. His siblings don't really matter. They're not in this, like, at all, hardly. He's pretty much the only one that ends up working at the candy shop, and the other siblings don't really have anything to do with it. Um, he's definitely a mama's boy, and we'll get into that. They have, um, Dean, uh, Dean, yeah, hates his stepfather. So they don't really get along. The mom has to kind of like constantly keep them from fighting and all this other crap. Dean's mother, Mary, starts making pecan uh, chocolate candies. You know, like um, turtles and stuff like that. She makes all kinds of different candies. Mm -hmm. Well, she eventually starts a business called Pecan Prince. It's a candy store. Dean starts working at the candy shop every day after school. Um... And that's pretty much what he does, I mean, every day. And throughout all his life, like, people would say his work ethic was, like, impeccable. Like, you know, I mean, he worked at the candy store pretty much his until he was in his Most serial killers are like 20s. that. Do you realize that? Yeah, they have a good work ethic. Like, they still go to work. Yeah. Well, except for Jeffrey Dahmer, there towards the end. When yeah. When he was like, oh, I can't come to work. But, he, you know, he had bodies in his... Yeah. He had the... shit he was dealing with. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, John Gacy. John Gacy, yeah. He works. He works, like, a ton and still and he had was time on, um, to He was on, like, the board of, like, city or, what's it called? City cap council, cap council or whatever, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer, he worked until he got overwhelmed with the bodies he had to take care of in his house or apartment. 
Ted Bundy, yeah, they all work. So, in high school, he had good grades. He had a few girlfriends. He also played in the band. Um, and after high school, the family moved to Houston, Texas, where they opened a bigger candy store because apparently that was where most of their business was at, was Houston, Texas. Like, the dad, or Jake, the stepdad, he would, um, like, travel back and forth from, mm-hmm. I think they were in Plano, Texas, which is really small. He would travel back and forth, and eventually they were like, we're making more money in Houston, so we'll just move there. Hmm. During this time, Dean's grandfather died back in Indiana, so he was sent to go help his grandmother out in Indiana at the farm. Um, While living there, he started doing some pretty weird stuff, so this is where things get a little weird. Um, He had a telescope that he would use, and his grandmother, like, he told his grandmother he was using it to, like, look at the stars or whatever. Because he was, like, big into astrology. And that was another thing. Like, his mom was big into, like, astrology. She even, like, at a lot of points in his life, she would, like, um, go to, uh, what are they called? Fortune tellers. And mm-hmm. she would be, like, or not fortune tellers, but, um, what's it called? Oh, yeah. Like, gypsy people. Yeah. And she would tell me my, like, future. Or what's going on with my son or something like that. Yeah. And all this they would read weird. their palm and everything. Yeah. So she would do that. So anyways. However, his grandmother realized one night he came into her his room and she, she was like, oh, you know, you got your telescope out. And he was like, yeah, come here and look at this. And he was like spying on the neighbors. Like around this little big town. They always do that too. They, they always the spy on yeah. people. He was spying on his neighbors and his grandmother was like, okay. Hey, that's weird. Yeah, why didn't she be like, hey, don't be doing that? I mean, she probably did, but yeah, it was just really odd. Um, so he eventually got a movie camera, like a cam, like a camcorder recorder, Mm -hmm. and it had to be like an older style. Um, but he obviously, I mean, this is like, this had to be like in the early '60s, probably. So it or late '50s, early '60s. So they did have pretty good camcorders back then. So he got one and he invited a bunch of like junior high and high school kids. Keep in mind, he's like 20. He's like 19 or 20. And he invited a bunch of these kids over to make movies that were like doctor style. Like they would, they would like, um, they would like, well, half naked, but they would have like blood and, and, they would have chicken hearts, and they would be like, okay, you know, they'd pull it out, and they'd be like, all right, paddles, clear. You know, they'd be yeah. making, like, that kind of movie. Okay. And I just was like, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that if you really want to be, like, a movie director, but... It's a weird that you're It's a little weird that you're, uh, yeah, asking high school kids and, and junior, junior high kids, kids to come yeah. over to make this movie with you. Like, you don't have any 20-year-old friends that want to make a movie? Which, I mean, he didn't have any friends, period, but... Anyways, so, that's just kind of weird. But, um, after this, he eventually moved back to Houston to help run the candy store. At 24, he gets enlisted into the Army. This is, like, 1964. He trained as a radio repairman, and he was stationed at Fort Hood. However, it wasn't long. He was only in the Army for, like, 10 months or something like that. And he applied for a hardship discharge, um, basically saying that, like, he needed to go back to the candy store to help his family out because they were, 
needing his help and all this stuff. His mom even wrote a letter to, like, the army and was like, I need him back to help me, you know. He was a big-time mama's wow. boy. Yeah. And um, so they did. They just, they honorably discharged him because you can do a hardship discharge, which means, like, you know, there's hardships in your family or something and you need to get out. But the fact that they let him get out for that, I just thought that was a little weird. But maybe they didn't like him. Um, maybe the mom annoyed him enough. Annoyed the army enough. That's another enough. thing I was thinking, yeah. They were like, okay, whatever, just, just have him. get out. <laughs> um, it has to be noted, though, that he hated the military. So he probably was writing to his mom about how much he hated it. And also that when he was in the military, people say that that's kind of when he discovered he was gay. Like, he discovered mm-hmm. his, he was homosexual because he had, like, homosexual experiences and things like that. Um, even an employee at the candy shop said that he made sexual advances at him, and the mother didn't believe the teen, so she fired him. Instead of, like, believing the teenager, she fired him. So he's back working at the candy shop, and when he gets started back from the army, he, um starts dating a woman named Wanda. Mary's like super excited about this because he's never really been interested in women and she's like, oh yay, maybe he's not gay, you know? <laughs> and um, she would even ask like the gypsies and the fortune tellers, she'd be like, is my son gay, you know, or something like that. And they would always just be like, no, he's not gay. And I'm just like, well, obviously you lost all that money exactly. for nothing. Um, not saying people can't tell the future. Don't come for me, yeah. people. But I'm just but saying some these of them obviously are a scam. Yeah. yeah. Now Wanda lived in Indiana, and they met each other when he was at his grandmother's. So they had kind of been talking and connecting back and forth. He would send her letters, and they would see each other every now and again. But it's kind of hard to see each other all the time. And he would send her like chocolates and cakes and stuff that the candy store would make and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, one night she calls him. And this is really odd, but she calls him and she's like, hey, I'm getting married. And he was like, what? And to who? And he, and she said, to you. And he was like, huh? huh? <laughs> and then he just hung up the phone and never talked to her again. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really weird. I was like, That what? is so I mean, weird. it's weird on her part, but my thought process was... Like, it was a joke? Like, it's time for you to marry me. <laughs> maybe that, or maybe the mom, like, called her and was like, hey, so you think you need to, like, nudge him in the right direction to get this marriage rolling? Yeah. You know, because his mom really wanted her to get But I can't believe he never called her again. Yeah, never picked up the phone again. His mom was really upset, obviously, and, um... After this, his mom and stepdad got a divorce, and his stepdad actually got the ownership rights to the pecan prince, which I thought was kind of fucked up, because she did come up with the idea, and she had all the recipes and everything. Since he um, did this, Dean's mom decided she was going to open a new candy store called Coral Candy Company, and she opened it across the street from an elementary school. Which seems like a really good place, you know. I mean, across the street from elementary school, you know, it's a candy store. And it was a good place, but it wasn't a good place for Dean to be. And you'll figure out why. The Coral Candy Store and the Pecan Prince started having, like, a candy store feud. Um, Meanwhile, Dean was known around town for giving kids 
like all the kids, the local kids, he would go out there and give them free candy. Hmm. Mostly teenage boys. Hmm. And uh, they gave him the nickname, and that's when they got the nickname, the Candyman candy or the, the Pied Piper. Because, you know, he was, like, in the Pied Piper, he plays the thing and the, ma- the mice come to him. Yeah. But in this case, he had the candy had the and candy. the kids would come to him. Yeah, you know, like, how people say, um, don't, um... If a stranger offers you offers candy. Offers you candy, don't get in their van. Well, yeah. he eventually gets a van. Wow, he does the old trick. Yeah, so I think that's where this expression came expression, from. Probably. Or something, because, yeah, it's weird. Um, so, a lot of people would t- say he was like a troop leader, like a scout leader. Um, so, they didn't necessarily think it was creepy, because there wasn't any, like, at first, there wasn't any sexual advances or anything weird you know he was just the awesome guy that worked at the candy store that was just out there giving candy out to these kids you know and they kind of looked at him as like a role model some of the kids did people thought it was you know like a big brother situation but dean was said to be a cool boss at the candy store so he kind of started being weird at the candy store first and then he ventured out and you'll we'll get there um he made a hangout spot for teens that worked there in the back of the candy store. He had, like, pool tables and big screen TVs and all this stuff. However, a lot of people said that he was very flirty with the teen boys that would work there. So, Dean took one of the um, candy vans, like, the vans that they would drive around and deliver shit in, and he turned that into a theater room type I don't know, something like he put TVs in the back and he put carpet back there and like couches and he would take teenage kids there to hang out and he would take them to the the beach nearby to surf Yeah, and they would all like be in his van watching movies. Now how old is he now? Like Um, late 20s, early 30s? Yeah, he's like 26. Yeah, he's like 24, 25, 26, somewhere in there. So he's like old. I mean, yeah. compared to these 13, 14, 13, 15 14 year old boys. boys. Um, That'd be like Isaac going hang out with like one Yeah, of I'd your be like, friends. you're fucking going where? No. My friends. Negative. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> um, so he said he did this because he would take the boys, you know, to the beach and they would just have fun. This wasn't like a creepy thing or, or nothing like that. Um, I think at this time, it actually wasn't a creepy thing. Like, I don't think he had started sexually assaulting anybody or or doing anything weird. He did flirt a lot, though. A lot of people would say he would, like, different boys that worked at the candy store, he would, like, walk by them and pinch them on the arm or something like that. Like a creepy old uncle? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, really weird. Um, Not on, like, the butt or anything, but still, like... (laughs) <laughs> gotcha. You know, it's like, okay. You're not going to give off. me a hug? Like, yeah. yeah like, You're holding me a little tight, Uncle. It's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. So, in 1967, Dean started becoming friends with a 12-year-old boy named David Brooks. This boy will be very prevalent to the story because he will actually become one of Dean's accomplices. 
Now, during this time, Dean was also doing weird shit that no one seemed worried about. And honestly, I don't understand why people didn't seem worried about this. Um, his employee said when he needed to, like, blow off steam or, like, he, shit was going awry at the candy store. So, he needed to, like, do something. Like, most people would be like, well, let's put a workout gym in here. You know, a boss would be like, let's pump some iron if we're pissed or something. Yeah. You know, I don't know. <laughs> or go punch some walls or something. Um, his idea of blowing off steam was to dig holes behind the candy store. Even sometimes at night, people what? would see him digging holes in the back of the candy that store. That is the weirdest thing ever. Exactly. Um, he also had concrete bags in his office and plastic wrap. And nobody, nobody was like, the fuck is all this shit Me going? and you would definitely yeah. be like, you're murdering like, people, aren't you? Whose bodies are you hiding? Because, uh, the fuck you need this concrete and these plastic bags for? And all these holes you're digging. I mean, this so was I like the somebody 60s of, or 70s? Yeah, 1967. So, Almost the 70s. like, there was murderers around. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, like, two and two um, during this time was, like, in the 70s was uh, Night Stalker. Night Stalker, yeah. And then not too long after this whole situation with him, like, three years later, uh, John Wayne Gacy, which he said that he got a lot of his um, style or ideas from, from Dean Coral. So, hmm. um, where was I? Oh, so he told the pe- so some people that were asking questions like why the hell are you doing this? Um, he would tell them, "Oh, I'm simply burying the old apples that we don't use for the candy, like to make the candy apples, and the yeah. pecans because I don't want bugs to get into the other batches that we have. Why the fuck wouldn't you just throw them in the trash? Yeah, that's really weird. Like, why would you bury them in the back? Like, that makes no sense. You could have been like, and I'm somebody, guarding. and somebody was like, and I guess these people that asked the question was like. Okay, seems legit. <laughs> just, what the fuck? No, it maybe does they not. don't know candy, so they they were thinking they they were trying yeah. to like be like, oh, I know candy. I know what you're talking about. Me yeah. too, honestly. Yeah, you're the candy man. You're the expert. I got you're you. The expert. Um, yeah, because I was like, they had trash. This wasn't like the 1800s. Why didn't you just throw right it in the away. trash? Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Um. So, anyways, so back to the 12 year old uh, named David who was his friend at the time, he would take him on all these beach trips I mentioned. And, um, but like I told you about, they would yeah. go surf and all that. And when he needed cash, Dean would give him money. Eventually, though, the relationship between them became sexual. It's said mm-hmm. that David was about 14 when Dean started paying him cash or paying him in gifts to give the boy a blowjob. So, not that he wanted a blowjob from the boy. He wanted to he give, wanted him, to give him one. And he'd be like, I'll pay you cash and I'll pay you in gifts. Yeah. What do you want, you know? Um, hmm. So, I would say, I will say, David didn't have the best upbringing. Like, I mean, his mom was around, but his dad knew he was, or thought he was gay. So he would call him like a sissy boy and all this other stuff. He was just kind of a douchebag. Um, the mother, at this point, while all this shit's kind of going on, ends up marrying a man who turns into like a super douche. And there's kind of like a story about this whole like psychotic episode, the family feud thing that they have with this man that she marries. But I'm not going to 
go into that, but it's it's a, dra- a bunch of drama. And uh, the new man and him don't get along. Like, he pretty much calls Dean gay all the time. And he accuses him of stealing stuff and just all kinds of bunch of shit. So, anyways. So, he runs away a lot, I'm mm-hmm. guessing, from the home. Dean? Oh, I I'm thought talking you were talking about, about David. No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Yeah, Dean. Dean's mom ends up marrying another guy. She, she marries a lot of different guys. And her, her whole thing, like, is... Sorry, had to get a drink of water. Her whole thing is like, um, she always wants to seem younger than she is. I think she even like lies about her age a lot sometimes. She's just trying to escape the inevitable uh, that we all are of old age. But anyways, so <laughs> she, yeah, the candy business suffers because of this. Because she marries a psychotic dude. And Dean has to get a second job. He starts working at the Houston Power Plant. Now, after this, a little bit after this, Dean's mom and sister moved to Colorado, and they closed the candy business. That's when Dean gets his first apartment, and David, who's 15 now, would stay there a lot with him. So, like I said, his dad was kind of a douchebag, and he would, like, leave a lot. I don't know where he told his dad he was going. I don't know if he told him he was going there or somewhere else, but he would leave, and he would go stay with Dean. He's 15. Dean is, at this time, I believe, 27, 28? He's almost, almost 30. 30. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, when he moved into this apartment, a lot of people said that he had, like, tons of parties with teen boys. So much so, it got to the point where he would have to move, like, five times a year from apartment to apartment to apartment. And I don't know if it was because the neighbors were, like, making complaints or if the tenants were just, like, get the fuck out. Because they would have, like, rager parties. And he would invite all these teen boys over Mm -hmm. to throw these parties. There was, like, drugs and alcohol and all different kinds of stuff. Um, Around this time, he kills his first victim, Jeffrey Conan. He was 18. Which is said to be, this is said to be his first victim, but like I said, we don't really know if there were more victims, like those, uh, you know, holes he was digging in the middle of the night. Yeah. Because he was doing those holes, so he was digging those holes, like, after the so said first victim, right? No, before. Before. Okay. Before. Because it's before the candy store closed. Okay. So this is after that's the weird. Candy yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that's weird. But does he tell? Wait, is he telling this that he, all these victims uh-uh. or his mom? No, his mom only tells us about his childhood. His childhood. Um, David is the one telling oh, us about this, okay. and another kid that will eventually come into play. That's also one of his accomplices. So he has two accomplices. Yeah. Um. So it sounds like. He probably had more victims. It's just David showed up Doesn't at that know. time. Yeah. yeah. There's no idea. And you would think that the police would be like, oh, well, fuck. Let's go dig up these holes. But they never do that. They never dig up no. those holes. The police in this, I don't know. They're in the, and I'll get to it. I wrote it down somewhere. They're in some sort of district of Houston, which kind of like poverty stricken, lower class at the time. Yeah. And so I don't know if the police just don't care, but all these victims, there's 28 of these motherfuckers, 
all these victims go missing in like a three mile radius. Like this is not a big little, this is not a a big city or, you know, something like that. And nothing ever gets, he doesn't ever get caught until he dies. And I'll explain that in in part two. Yeah. (laughs) Cause I don't want to give too much away, but it's just crazy. Um, so anyways, where was I? Uh, his birth. Oh, his first victim. And I wasn't calling the victims, I said motherfuckers, but, like, I'm talking about, like, these people, like, the guys, like, Dean and the other two, they're his accomplices. Like, Dean and David and whoever the third one is that's coming along. Yeah, they don't live in a big city, you know. So, what was I talking about? Oh, the first victim. Jeffrey Conan. I just wanted to say Connor. Jeffrey Conan was 18. Um, this was September 25th, 1970. Conan vanished while he was hitchhiking from University of Texas back to his parents' house. And a lot of people think that he probably just got in the car with Dean. Dean picked him up, probably offered him a ride back to the house or whatever. Back to his parents' house. Um, Jeffrey's parents' house. But he was... He obviously took him back to his apartment because he was found later dead. He had been sexually assaulted, strangled, and tied up by his hands and feet. When police found his body, he was covered in lime. So this was another, that's another thing that I wanted to say. Like, his body was covered in lime, which is usually used, you know, the lime powder. Yeah, to smell. It's usually used to help decompose. No, that plus to help the decomposition. Yeah. And they'll use it for, like, animals or something like that and other stuff. But he was also wrapped in a plastic sheet as well. So the police were thinking, okay, this is like a professional killer. Yeah. So that's another reason why I think that that wasn't really his first kill. His first kill, Because he wouldn't be that organized. I mean, it's usually messy. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, David is still with him at this time. 15. Keep that in mind. This is a 27-year-old. And pretty much living with him on and off. One day, he walks in, and Dean has two boys tied to the headboard, like one on each side, and he is molesting them. Dean gets mad, but tells him, I pay these boys to make pornos for me, and then I sell them online. And so, David was like, okay, you know, because David, like, ran off, like, when he saw that. Yeah. I I was supposed to say, why didn't the boys say, like, a bitch, no? Yeah. When he saw them, he, like, took off. And so, Dean got mad. Caught caught up with him later. And he was like, yeah, I I do this for porn. You know, I pay them, and then I make money, send it to California. Um, But then, like, a few days later, like, three days later, Dean comes up to him, and he was like, so, here's the thing. I lied. Um, I actually killed those boys, and I buried them in my storage shed. Please don't be mad. And what? And David, um, David said that he was like okay, but he ends up like there wasn't really much. I don't really know what he said, but he was just like okay. I guess he was okay with it because he ends up dropping out of school and pretty much lives with Dean full time. Like he just moves out of his 
parents' house or his wow. dad's house. I was expecting him to, like, run away or something. Mm-mm. It's at this point that David becomes um, one of these accomplices with Dean. How do you find these people? God. Well, I will say this. David is a, you know, obviously a piece of shit. But he's also, I mean, he was groomed from a really, I mean, he was groomed since he was 12. So, I mean, this this guy, and he even said, like, I looked at him as, like, my father figure Mm. first. And then when the sexual stuff started happening, then it was more of, like. A lover kind of thing. A lover kind of thing. And there are times, and I'll get to it eventually. I'll probably mention this again. But there, there's, like, one time where he um, wants to leave, but Dean ends up, like, raping him and as, like, mm-hmm. a dominance thing. And mm-hmm. David's not gay, come to find out. Like, later on, he gets a girlfriend. I mean, he might have been, like, experimenting or whatever when he was younger, but later yeah. on, he gets a girlfriend. He wants to, like, get out of the situation, stop doing the murders and all that, but Dean's like, no, you're not fucking leaving, and he'll, he, like, ties him up and rapes him. As, mm-hmm. like, a dominance, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're not going to leave me. kind of thing. Yeah. And so he doesn't because of that. Um, now, where was I? Uh, he tells him. Yeah. When David turned 16, Dean bought him a green Corvette and told him, first of all, uh, hold on. How does he get all this money? Yeah, because he buys him a green Corvette and he tells him, I'll pay you $200 for any boy that you can lure to my apartment. $200 a boy. I don't know how he has enough money to pay him $200 a boy. And the next guy that we talk about that comes into play later on, he offers him the same position. He must be stealing the money from the dead people. I mean, the victims, not the dead people. Well, no, because they're they're 15, they're they're kids, so they don't have money on them like that. I don't have a clue. I mean, he must be making really good money at the light company. So, Jimmy Glass and Danny Yates are the first victims David helps lure um, to Dean's apartment on December 13th, 1970. Both were 14 and David's friends. You'll come to find out that a lot of these people that David helps lure and the next boy, they're all friends. I mean, because mm. they're all classmates. Yeah. This whole community is not very big, so everybody knows everybody. And also, all these kids that he ends up abducting and killing, they all know him as the candy man. The guy from the candy store. So, when they mm. were younger, when they were like, you know, 11, 12, they would go to the candy store. Yeah, somebody that you trust. Exactly. Someone that you've seen as a kid. I could understand trusting him. Yeah. So, the families after the kids these two boys get kidnapped they i think they got kidnapped from like church or something or they were at church and then they last were seen like leaving getting up and leaving and then they didn't see him again so the they immediately went to the police the families did and they were like you know our kids are missing blah 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 the police just say that they're runaways of course they do no investigation after getting to the apartment, both boys were tied up by Dean um, on his torture board. And I'll kind of explain that later. They were then raped, strangled, and buried in a boat shed that Dean had actually been renting at the time. Six weeks later, on January 30th, 1971, Dean and David were driving around when they spotted 15-year-old Donald and 13-year-old Jerry Waldruff, two teenage brothers. 
Um, Dean's M.O. remains the same throughout these murders. So instead of me, like, mentioning every single time something happens, I'm just gonna um, kind of tell you right here what he does. So, big, like, disclaimer. disclaimer. If you don't want to hear this part, skip past it. Okay, so he would give them drugs when they got back to the apartment or alcohol to, like, get them loose. Sometimes. Other times, if the boys didn't want drugs and alcohol, he would actually, like, play this little trick where he had, like, the handcuffs and he would pretend to, like, handcuff himself and be able to get out of it. But he actually had the key in his hands. Didn't you, didn't, uh, John Gacy John Gacy, that? yeah. That's where he got wow, that idea from. yeah. And then he would, um, be like, okay, you try. And then they would try, but they wouldn't be able to get out of it because they don't have the key. Mm-hmm. So that's how they would get themselves handcuffs handcuffed he would then take them to his four post bed or his torture board which was like a piece of plywood with holes in it where he could handcuff them in a spread eagle position he would strap them down rape them torture them sometimes for days he would beat them and then strangle them full disclaimer right here um not that it's already bad but one of the torture methods that he used was something i've never even come into my brain to can like think of um mm-hmm. like because you know we do like you know i've listened to the podcast about different torture methods back in yeah. the day and this is crazy he would take a thin rod of glass like really thin rod mm-hmm. of glass he would insert it into the boy's urethra oh and then he would smash the glass inside. <laughs> yeah mm. so these were sick, cra- crazy fucking, like, torture methods. Like, absolutely fucking insane. The police found a lot of sex toys and torture devices when they finally, you know, got to his place. When he... We'll get there way later. Um, from the look of the bodies, also, the poli- the when the police found the bodies, they could tell that a lot of these boys... This is so fucking sad. But they could tell that a lot of these boys probably died screaming because their mouths were, like, open. Oh. In a, like, contorted, like, way. And the medical examiner said that that could be something that happened. He also had an abduction van. Um, not like the one that he had before. This was a different one. There was, like, a... Like a white van? it, It was a white van, but he had, like, straps and stuff in there, and he had a box that had holes in it. So I guess, mm-hmm. like, if he if he abducted them, he could throw them in there, you know what so I mean? So it was kind of like his capture van. Yeah, I guess so. Um, his usual way of killing them would either be to strangle them or shoot them. They, he ended up getting a gun, and he would shoot some of them in the head. Um, one other thing he would make the kids do was he would make them write letters back home saying that they had ran away. So they wouldn't go looking for them. Now... That's not to say that the police already had these letters. So I don't want anybody thinking, well, that's why the police didn't go look for them. No. The police thought every single one of these motherfucking kids were just runaways. I don't understand why. That is so fucking stupid. Like, they've all agreed. You know, let's all run away. All these kids that I'm going to mention today, which I I lost count on how many it is today that we're going to talk about, but they're all runaways. They just tell the parents, oh, they just they just ran away. Or sometimes they would tell the parents, like, oh, maybe they got uh, kidnapped by a sex ring or something like that. Well, why? Sorry. 
Why aren't you trying to find them then? Why aren't mm-hmm. you trying to investigate? You're doing nothing. So the Waldorf family, the two brothers, um, gets a call one night after their sons go missing. And this caller says, I saw a man who used, I saw the man who used to run the candy store. His name is Dean Coral at a boat shed. And it looked like he was burying something, and it kind of looked like bodies. My son said it kind of looked like bodies, too. I don't know if this has anything to do with your sons, but you may want to check it out. And then hung up the phone. Hmm. So they call the police immediately, and they're like, oh my god. And they tell them the whole story, you need to go to the boat shed, like, right now. So you're thinking, okay, well, this is it. Like, this piece of shit gets caught. This is how it gets caught. No, no. Um, The police go there, and they just look around with their flashlights. And then they're just like, yeah, that was a prank call. And then they leave. What? Yeah. Dead ass. Dead ass. Yeah. I don't understand it. You gotta look, like, in the ground, you dumbass. Yeah. And bring, like, dogs. Yeah, like, exactly. like he, See, he's not gonna pop out and be like, oh, here I am over here. Yeah. I don't understand it. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing because it, it pisses me off. Like, yeah. I don't get it. Um, this is ridiculous. I don't know. After this, Ronald, uh, not Ronald. Randall Harvey, excuse me, disappears. Um, keep in mind, all these boys don't live super far apart. Like I said, this isn't like a different country. I mean, different counties or anything. This is all in one little spot. So, Randall is 15 and he was abducted May 19th, May 9th. Um, also, he is the 8th victim because there's like two more boys that go missing before that. Mm-hmm. David knew Randall. And when he picked him up, he took him to Dean's. He was never seen alive again. So May 29th, 1971, 13-year-old David Hillingist and 16-year-old Mally Winkle. Mm-hmm. I love that name. Me too. Um, they were abducted and killed as well. All these parents, by the way, are launching, like, massive search parties at this time. And the police, like I said, just keep saying, oh, you need to not worry about it. Your kids have just run off. Some of them are going to, like, the beaches or something like that. And maybe they were having runaways at the time in Houston. But that doesn't mean that all these freaking kids that know each other pretty much or are acquaintances with each other are just disappearing in the spot. Nobody's like, huh, something, there's a fucking, something's going on. And then most of the bodies they're finding. I feel like they knew. Like they find them later, something. I guess. But or he well, that's paid true. Them they off find them later. They find them later. They don't find them right away. Yeah, but, but still, the I fact mean, that they didn't look in the ground after this guy literally tells you he sees it, and they just kind of look at it. Man that used to own the yeah, candy store. That's yeah, that's so really weird. weird. Um, or at least bring dogs and, like, have them sniff out the scent of the boys' clothes and then have them search. Like, that's what, I didn't understand why they didn't do that. So, yeah, they're, they're massive, they're, they are launching massive search parties. David Hilling, Hillingist, yes, parents spend all their money and they actually hire a private investigator. So, the private investigator... Um, I mean, he's good. He, he, he does what he needs to do, but he's way off base. He actually says that he thinks the boys are in a sex trafficking ring, like they got kidnapped for that. Hmm. Um, which, I mean, he does a really good job, though. So, things are about to take a turn when we introduce 
Elmer Wayne Hen Henley. This will be the boy that helps him. Like he's another accomplice. He was actually friends with David Hillingston. Hilling Hillingus? I cannot say that for some reason. Um, Wayne was 15. And he would, like, he even went to David's parents' house and wanted to hand out, like, flyers and stuff. Granted, at the time, he didn't, doesn't know what's going on with Dean and David. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it's just kind of messed up that later on he becomes an accomplice. And this was his friend that got abducted by this asshole. It's just weird. <laughs> so, Wayne had a very rough childhood. His dad was a very abusive alcoholic. He even tried to, like, shoot his mom one time. Everyone said that Wayne was on drugs and seemed a little off in the head. He dropped out of school and started burglarizing houses um, at this time as well. Wayne knew Dean Coral, the Candyman, because him and David were friends and like he would go over to the house when he'd have parties and stuff like that. Because, you know, keep in mind, Dean's still throwing parties all the time with these teen boys. That's another thing. Why did the police not go, huh, this fucking weirdo? Yeah. It's throwing parties with all these teen boys. And obviously they would find out that they have recently been, been hanging out with him. They would have put that together like so freaking quick. Yeah. So quick. Yeah. It would have been so easy. Like, yeah. This they didn't even lift a finger. <laughs> yeah. No, they didn't lift one single pinky. So, well, where was I at? Oh, he, so Wayne knew yeah. Dean because him and David were friends and Wayne knew Dean was gay but he was like oh he's just a cool older dude you know I know he's gay but it's no big deal Wayne even helped put the oh well yeah I said that already he put up the posters of David the missing posters meanwhile before Wayne officially starts helping um you know becomes an accomplice there's three more murders of three different boys now, winter of 1971, David decides to lure Wayne to Dean's apartment to be his next victim. So first, that's what Dean wanted. Dean was like, I want Wayne to be a victim. Mm -hmm. Some reason or another, not sure why, when Dean, when David gets him there, Dean decides, okay, I'm going to make you my next accomplice. And he tells him, I'm going to pay you $200, just like I do David. For any boy that you can bring through my door. And he Wayne told... Wayne must have said something, like, really... I don't know. He told Wayne he doesn't... Well, he told him he doesn't kill them. He said he just uses them. He said he just gets them and sends the boys off to be sex slavery Probably. people. Yeah. Like, sex trafficking. That's what he told Wayne he did. And Wayne was like, $200 a boy? I'll bring you all the boys for that. Um... Mm. So he was completely fine with it, and he decided that's what he was going to do. And then I'm just sitting here thinking, these are your classmates that you're luring. And you know where your friend David just went. Like, I couldn't just... Obviously, if... If if I... Okay, so he didn't kill him, but he sent him on this... He sent him to, to a sex trafficker. Yeah. Like, I'd be like, I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. And then I'd go straight to the fucking police. Fucking police yeah. <laughs> like, I couldn't do that with my friends. Like, I could, who, who can do that? I don't know. So, Wayne's first job to lure in was a teen boy. No one knows who this boy was. They don't even know to this day who he was. Um, and... 
he just lures him there and then leaves. So he doesn't know what that happens so to him scary. after that. That'd be like one of my friends would be like, you want to go over to his house? I'd be like, okay. And then yeah. they just murder me. So Houston Heights is the place where these kids were getting abducted. I couldn't remember what it was called, but I knew I, knew, I wrote it in my notes somewhere. So it's called Houston Heights. It's this small little district. Um, March 24th, 1972, they lure a 19-year-old boy named Frank Agreary. I'm horrible with last names. To the apartment... Um, but this is slightly different because Frank is engaged and he's an older guy. Mm-hmm. But after that, that's when they kill him. Well, Dean kills him. And then, um, that's when Wayne realizes, oh, okay, he kills people because they all go help bury the body. So it's at this point that we obviously know, okay, Wayne does know that he murders people. And you would think that he would be like... Well, fuck, I guess that means he murdered my friends and all those other people. Yeah, but two and two together. He doesn't care, though. <laughs> Just doesn't wow. care. Um, That's really weird. So, they did ask David, like, did you ever torture any of the boys or touch any of the boys? David never touched any of the boys. He was always just the guy that brought them there. And then they would, um, you know, Dean would do all the torture and killing and everything. David would actually leave. Like, all the boys before this, David would drop them off. He would handcuff them or whatever. Dean would and just take them back to the bedroom and David would leave. Yeah. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that's one thing that they asked him and that's what he said. But Wayne, however, um, he said Wayne at first didn't participate, but then he started participating in the torture. Hmm. A month later, excuse me. A month later, Wayne brings um, a 17-year-old named Mark Scott. He was buried at the High Island Beach. And then June 26, Billy Belch and Johnny Delmon were also brought there by Wayne. David said that this is when Wayne started getting kind of sadistic because he actually strangled... I think he strangled, he was strangling Billy. And then he called Johnny's name because they were like on the same bed beside each other. So he was on top of Billy strangling him. And then he called Johnny's name and Johnny looked at him. He said, hey, look at this. And he looked at him and then he shot him in the head. But he didn't die because they're only using like, I think they use like twenty two caliber pistols. So mm-hmm. if you don't shoot somebody really precise, it, they, it won't kill them. Um, so he didn't kill him. He didn't do a you know, it didn't shoot yeah. in his brain. So he, like, bled out to death. And then he jumps on him, or bleeds out. He's bleeding out. Then he jumps on him, starts strangling him. Just weird shit. Wow. So, 14 months later, they actually abduct Billy's little brother, Tony Belch. Um, David, during this time, like I told you, this is when he was like, yeah, I'm kind of gonna fade out. I'm just gonna ease myself out of the situation. So he had the girlfriend, he had another job, and he went to Dean's house one day, just, I guess, just going in casually, and that's when Wayne jumped him from behind, and then Dean tied him down, raped him, you know, that was that situation, and Wayne was the one that helped do that. 
So, summer of 1972, Dean moves into another apartment complex at West Scott Towers. And that is where we're going to end part one. <laughs> okay. Woo! That was a lot. That was a lot to get through. We made it to the hour mark. Well, we're at 55 minutes. It'll be an hour in a second. Um, so, yes, that is part one. And we will have part two up for you guys next Friday. But it's very interesting. It's very, very interesting. Yeah, um, that was interesting. The way that things happen, the way that Dean dies is crazy. Like, I kind of wanted him to, you know. Suffer. Suffer in jail or die by lethal injection so the victim's parents can watch. But whatever. Yeah, 28 victims, though. Mm. And maybe more. And I've never heard of this man before in my life. Like, I've, I haven't heard of this one. And I listened to a podcast, and I also did, like, research uh, different articles. So, there was only, when I went to go listen to a podcast, because I was like, I want to listen to a podcast, and then I'll read. I usually listen to a podcast and read as I'm doing it, if there's one out there. And so, um, that's what I was doing, and there was only, like, maybe three different people that had done this guy. Yeah, so, it's really crazy, but... A lot of good information. And y'all don't go research this guy until you listen to part two. Because I don't want you to know what happens. So, anyway. Alright. Okay. <laughs> well, we will see you guys next Friday. We hope that you guys have a fantastic weekend. And we'll see you then. Alright. Bye. Bye.